this is Going Beyond Salvation. This is episode three, and this is the day two of our reading. I'm your host, Jess Robinson, and we had last time talked about sin and creation and a redeemer, and this week we can, or today we continue on with day two of the reading, and we start off with Genesis and we are going to see the effects of sin in the next chapters. Um, as we all know, Adam and Eve was banished from the Garden of Eden. And at the start of chapter four, Adam lays um, with his wife Eve and she gets pregnant. And the first child she has is a son and she names him Cain. And what's interesting to see is that she is worshiping the Lord and saying that he helped her to bear a child onto the earth. And I think pretty much as she's worshiping, I think she's holding on to the promise um, that was made about that there is going to be redemption. And, and she was thinking that maybe Cain was probably that person that was going to, you know, stomp the head of, of Satan, which she's going to be totally wrong. And later they have a son named Abel. And many people probably know the story of Cain and Abel with it being the first murder. Um, but there's more to the, the story than it's, than it's just the first murder. And what we know about Cain is that he works with the soil and Abel was working with the flocks. And at some point, both of them end up bringing an offering and Cain brings fruits of the soil and Abel brings fat portions from the firstborn of his flocks and God ends up accepting Abel's offering and not Cain's. And many people will ask the question of why? What was so wrong with Cain's offering? And it's, in a way, it's a simple concept. And it was that Cain was trying to be accepted through works, through the works of toiling in the soil. And you can't be saved by works. It's something that's you'll see continually through the Bible is you cannot be saved by works. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And what was different with Abel's offering you know, it was a, a blood offering. It was a sacrifice. And in order to be atoned for sin, blood had to be, sh- had to be shed. And when we are in sin, before we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are condemned to die. But the blood of Jesus atones us for our sins. And back then, before Jesus, they had to be atoned some other way. And it was through the sacrifice of animals. And it says in Hebrews eleven four. Um, known as the the hall of faith is what I like to call it. It says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. So what Abel was doing was out of faith, he was offering his sacrifice and it was not from works. It was out of faith. And so we see that Cain is angry and God ends up going and talking to Cain and 
noticing God, how he talks with Cain is he, you see, he does not compare Cain to Abel when he's talking. He just says to do what, to do what is right. And this shows a, a interesting characteristic of God that God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't compare us with other believers. You know, I remember when I was a brand new believer and just hearing about and seeing all these other people that like were taking an hour to pray and or they were doing this for the Lord. And I'm sitting there going, man, I should be doing that. And I was comparing myself and it actually would make me stumble in my faith because I was comparing myself to another believer. And that's kind of the, it's a, a, a trap in a way from the enemy to make us compare ourselves with other believers thinking that if we're not doing this, then we're not doing something right. I mean, we can admire somebody for the time that they spend in prayer. We can admire somebody for the for being used by God and being open to being used by God in the gifts of the of the Holy Spirit. We can admire somebody who takes on the call to go into ministry and we can admire somebody who you know gets on the worship team. But we should not um we should not compare ourselves you know god doesn't ask us to be rivals with our fellow believers and so continuing on we see that god ends up telling cain to do right he also warns cain that if he does not do right Sin is crouching at his door, desiring to have Cain, but he must master it. So we still live in our fleshly body that is gravitated towards sin. But just as we have a choice to sin, we also have a choice to not allow ourselves, you know, to not sin. But we can't do these things on our own. We can't do them on our own strength. We can only do them through, through Jesus only. And how do you do that? It's, you know, by praying, getting into the word, fellowshipping with other believers. When we feel that temptation, that's, those are the things is praying, getting into the word, praying the word and and being in fellowship with other believers. So what ends up happening is Cain does not heed God's warning. He ends up making the choice and he goes out and he murders Abel and God comes and asks you know Cain where is your brother and I told my youth kids this you know just like in the garden where he was asking you know Adam and Eve did they eat from the the tree of of knowledge of good and evil he knew he knew what they were doing and God knew that Abel was dead. And, but the thing about God is, I think he was giving Cain that chance to repent and saying, yes, I murdered my brother. He always gives us that chance to repent. But however, Cain's response, just like Adam and Eve, it was not of repentance, but he has a really sour attitude. And God in return, just like a parent who's had enough 
of their child who's not listening, um, he curses Cain and he banishes him to wander the earth and not be able to um, work the ground anymore. And so the next thing is Cain has this interesting response and we might think Cain's response is one of repentance, but it isn't. He feels more sorry for himself I, and thinking that he will be you know, killed because of what he had done. I think he just feels sorry for himself more than what, what, he, what he did. However, in return, God doesn't allow Cain to be killed. He puts a mark on Cain as, as a way of protecting him, but not just because he was condoning anything. I, it was a way that God was saying that he valued human life when Cain didn't value human life. And so that is what happens. And Cain ends up leaving. And the rest of chapter 4 shows Cain's lineage where his descendants, um, they end, you know, one ends up raising livestock, one becomes the father of musicians, and one forges tools from bronze and iron. And we look at these items and you wouldn't think that they're bad. You know, they're not bad. You know, livestock isn't bad. That's where we get our, our cheeseburgers from. You know, and there's nothing wrong with with instruments. They can be used in a godly way. And then, you know, bronze and iron, you know, think about all of our our advances that we've had with bronze and iron and what continues to happen. And it's not that he is these things are bad. But if used in the wrong way, it can be bad in our relationship with the Lord. You know, for example, music, we have worship music, and it's just amazing what music can be done to praise the Lord. But also in turn, Satan can turn that around for his own evil. And which is, you know, a plug in that, you know, we need to be careful what we read, what we watch, what we have in our home. Um, that may be made with bronze and iron that may not be acceptable to the Lord. We have to be careful about what we allow in our household. And we also, you know, what was bad about these items was that his lineage was living separate from God, trying to once again live by works and and all of that. And as you go down his lineage there's one man named Lamech that is particularly known and he starts for one thing he starts polygamy he ends up you know having multiple wives which goes against God's plan for marriage because he only planned marriage to between be between one man and one woman not one man and multiple women or multiple women and one man or you know I got all mixed up, sorry, but, you know, one man and multiple women and multiple men and one woman. That's not what he arranged it for. Polygamy, you know, you see, you know, they try to glorify polygamy these days in certain TV shows. And it's, I can sense that there is unhappiness that you don't see in front of the camera and that there is more jealousy than most people realize. 
and a brokenness in the family because there's competing and not true unconditional love and polygamy. The second thing Lamech does is he talks about he he boasts that he murders somebody and this often shows that you know sim is becoming more bolder and more boastful and so we start seeing sin taking an effect and increasing and that's Cain's line now through the bad news there's hope and Adam and Eve end up having another son naming uh, and they named him Seth and it will be through this lineage that Jesus comes from and it's through Seth's lineage also that we see in Genesis that men begin to call on the name of the Lord and chapter 5 goes through Seth's lineage Um, and what you notice is that most people lived a really long time during that time because you know sin hadn't taken effect but as you see that as sin takes effect the age begins to decrease and I'm not going to continue on with the lineage of Seth I'm going to stop there um, just like they end on five or chapter 5 verse 20 because I want to on the next episode take time to talk about Enoch who is in Seth's line and um, there's just amazing things with Enoch even though he doesn't have very much written right there but so that will be for the next episode and then so then you know jumping to New Testament in the book of Matthew we we talked about Jesus being born and a redeemer coming and in chapter 2 we see that the the three wise men or the three magi it just depends on the people and everybody I know Christmas is pretty much over but when you see a manger scene during Christmas you always see the three wise men or magi there in the scene but that's not the case they were not at the birth of Jesus they came later and so Matthew is the only gospel to record the scene and this the three magi come in and they meet with King Herod and you know they're trying to find you know this king and you know they've been following the star and they're trying to find this king and it causes Herod to you know be disturbed and what it is is Herod if you look in history King Herod um, he is not technically considered Jewish he actually from what I understand and, and the history says that he was from the line of Esau actually and which is interesting and because of the the story of Jacob and Esau that we'll be talking about later but King Herod was not technically Jewish and they really were not accepted by the Jewish people his his family line Um, they came in through his family came to rule through a series of deception and you see King Herod and he was a very insecure king. I mean, he had one of his wives put to death. 
He had two of his sons put to death, all based on a lie um, told by other people. And, and, and some of them were his other family, like a sister, and actually the two sons, it was from another son who stirred up the pot and made him very insecure and jealous. And so him hearing about this king and him being the king of, you know, the Jewish people at that time, he was pretty much going, okay, this, my throne's about to end. And so through deception, you know, he tells the Magi to go find this child. They end up looking to scripture and finding that, you know, it's in Bethlehem that the child was to be born and so he tells him to go seek him and then come back so that he may worship him but that's not the case and they end up having this encounter with Jesus and there's the gold the frankincense and myrrh which um their encounter with Jesus you know they were giving him gifts and they're they those items are actually representative representative of um burial items but also, they had very high value and price, which comes to help Jesus and Mary and Joseph later. And Herod ends up being deceived by the Magi. They end up leaving, but that's because of God's grace. He was protecting Jesus. He was protecting the Magi, and he warns the, the Magi in a dream to, to go somewhere else. And at that same time, he he warns Joseph in a dream, take Jesus and get out of here because Herod's going to try to kill him. And so Herod, and it's, it actually fulfilled scripture too of, of Herod having the little boys killed. And God protected Jesus during that time. You know, Jesus had, you know, Satan was trying to, to ruin God's plan of redemption during that time. And later on, Herod does end up dying, and Joseph ends up having a dream to go back. He's in Egypt, and that actually fulfills another part, part of Scripture, as, as Matthew shows. And But as they're coming back, he notices um, Archelaus, I think is how you say his name, is ruling in Judea. And um, at the time... The Jewish people were separated into districts, and so there was Judea, and then there was Galilee, and there was other districts, other territories. And after Herod, Herod used to, King Herod, the one that wanted the, the or had the babies killed, he ruled the whole, all those territories. But when he died, um, the Roman governor at that time ended up, the Roman emperor actually, decided to separate into districts and so there was Judea and Galilee and see Archelaus was not he was one of King Herod's sons and he was not a very good son either and he actually ends up getting banished by in history he got banished by the Roman emperor had Judea taken away from him for for some really bad things and so Joseph did not want to go back because of Archelaus. 
So they end up going to Galilee. And Galilee was different from Judea because Judea was more, it was like a dry desert place. And most of the people in Judea were very, um, in that time, they were very religious and thought themselves better than most people. Where Galilee was different, there was all different cultures in the region of Galilee. It was more friendlier and there was trade going on and there was a lot of um, fruit and fruitition and, and all of that going on in Galilee. So he ends up going to Nazareth, which fulfilled a prophecy that Jesus was going to be a Nazarene. And that was pretty much it for Matthew. And which when we see, you know, um, men rebelling against God, which we jumped to Psalm 2, which was in the da daily reading. And it's interesting how it all kind of worked together with, with Genesis and with Cain rebelling and, and this line of Cain trying to do things on their own separate from God. And, and then you see Cain Herod trying to, you know, kill, you know, our Messiah, which is Jesus and, and rebelling against God. And in Psalm chapter two, the psalmist begins by speaking of the people and kings of the world taking a stand against God's anointed one, which we see that as Jesus. And it's a sad picture of the arrogant rebellion of humankind against God, his law, his redemption, his Messiah, which is Jesus in the moral teaching of his revelation. And for, you know, New Testament believers and modern believers, we see this arrogance today as the world in opposition to Christ, to us and our biblical faith. And it's continuing on, you know, it was con going on in the Old Testament and it was, it's going to continue on all the way through. It's, there's no end to it. You know, there's this, arrogance however the psalmist shows that this arrogance doesn't phase God one bit and there is going to be a day when rebellion is going to be gone you know it's going to be fulfilled when Jesus comes back and destroys God's enemies and we can rejoice at, at that as believers we can rejoice that that's going to be gone one day and through the psalmist the Holy Spirit exhorts us to be wise before Almighty God and to take refuge in Him before that day. So if you're not really living for Jesus, if you're not taking refuge in God, you're living separate from God, you better take this warning seriously. However, if you're under the blood of Jesus, you can rejoice in the day that Jesus is coming back and that there's going to be a day that there's going to be no more arrogance because along with that, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more sadness. And we can rejoice with that. And that was pretty much um, it for our episode three. Um, We're still not going to talk about Proverbs 1 yet. I want to continue on with the daily reading and kind of do... Um, talk about Proverbs 1 all at once. Um, and so for day three reading, you are to read Genesis chapter 5, 
verse 21 through chapter 8, verse 14. And then Psalm chapter 2, verse 10. And then Psalm through Psalm 3, verse 4. And then continue on with Proverbs chapter 1, 8 through 10. And then the book of Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And um, have a great blessed day. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.